Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zucchi with High on Healthy. And joining us today, we have Alyssa Spungen, who is with the Tucson Counseling Associates. Welcome aboard, Alyssa. Thank you. So, Alyssa, um, the Tucson Counseling Associates works um, closely with regards to psychedelics, in particular ketamine, for collective healing. Tell us a little bit about the organization. We are a group private practice located in Tucson, Arizona. Um, and we provide supervision for intern therapists, continuing education for clinicians, including uh, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. And then we also have a CAP clinic, um, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy in short. Uh, yep. mm -hmm. And you say it's a group. So how large is the group of therapists and counselors that work together? We have about 25 therapists in three locations across the city. That's fantastic. And so with three locations across the city and 25, you're able to actually handle quite a large number of clients who are seeking help. Are they coming to you with regards to for the ketamine-assisted psychotherapy for particular issues in general, or are you seeing a broad array of the challenges? And how do you process intake? Yeah, so right now the research there's not a lot of published research about ketamine for for you know psychotherapeutic healing, but from what has come out, it shows that the efficacy is based on six treatments, and it's specifically helpful for those with PTSD or treatment resistant anxiety or depression. So those are the people we're seeing, and the intake process is pretty pretty lengthy. We ask that they have all of their uh, medical information up to date. And then we see them for a psychiatric evaluation. And then there's a preparation session where they're, you know, starting to build rapport with their therapist. And then the medicine sessions, which are two to three hours long. And there's an integration session that follows each medicine session for, you know, long-term effects. Because there's a lot of IV clinics out there that, you know, people come in, kind of sit on the recliner, receive ketamine, and then they, you know, watch Netflix and go home. But <laughs> right. We really try to build a ceremonial space. All of our CAP therapists are trained um, in the MAPS approach or the CIIS, psychedelic psychotherapy training. Um, right. And then we receive ongoing education with, you know, energy healers. Um, and then we try to work with a community. We have a uh, CAP scholarship for those in our community that can't access this treatment because a lot of it is out of pocket. We bill insurance for what we can, right. but it can be an inaccessible therapy. We we do our best. I think our our rates are um, really great relative to what's sure. happening right now. So let's let's go more to the therapeutic practice itself. And you know, I mean, some people, you know, are familiar with the fact that ketamine generally is used as a as a general anesthetic um but from a therapeutic practice of course it also helps people treat pain um and the trauma that they experienced as a child or that they've been going through it allows them to enter a state where they're able to reflect and guide themselves to a better state and of course there's some there's as you mentioned there's a lot of benefits around PTSD and depression. Can you speak to those specifically? I like what you said about guiding themselves because that's our that's our biggest approach is like contacting that inner healing intelligence. And um we're really client centered and so they come in and we try to make it so that 
you know, they're bringing their full selves into the process and maybe they've been living in their trauma body since, you know, a big T trauma happened or maybe it's complex trauma that they're continuing to experience, especially, you know, our current system. It's a trauma, it's a traumatic system we live within. Um, and so there's a break from the trauma body and there's space to process. A lot of times, you know, if you're living in your trauma body, you can't process trauma. So it gives you it gives you that space and um, that container with with your therapist that's there the whole time. Um, and you know, some and folks- will that therapist have worked with a patient for a period before the session, or are they new and fresh? Um, both. So some some folks are reaching out to us specifically for CAP. Others. Um, they may have been seeing their therapist for years. And then, you know, when we started the clinic about two years ago, it might have been recommended by your therapist. Um, and so some are brought in from already seeing their therapist and others aren't. Okay. And what about after they've had their treatment and you recommend six, but are there sessions between the treatments? Are there sessions scheduled for a period after? Uh, so the six the six session model is a medicine session and an integration session. So if if they're seeing their therapist weekly, then it's six week practice. And then some some clients will choose to enter a maintenance schedule where they see their therapist maybe once a month. And then we also provide group maintenance, which brings the cost down significantly, and then just builds community too with other people that are receiving that type of treatment for their for their trauma. Right. Uh, and so we have that every six weeks as well. Okay, so so there is a continuous program that's put in place as part of it. Um, and people who undergo the treatment, how long can they expect to see the benefits for? Is it something from your group and from in particular that you look as being a long-term solution or is it something which, like so many others, you have to have ongoing treatments? It's a, That's the hard question to narrow down, right? Like mm-hmm. we just had a... Um, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, graduate student, just do a research project for us by collecting right. some data about you know two months outside of treatment, six months, four months. How much? How um, how was the duration of the healing benefits? And she found that it's immediately afterwards that there is relief. And then yep. I think it's it's harder to nail down like how how long how effective is this? I don't have any statistics I could offer you, but we have had feedback from clients, you know, four six months out that say like I was in chronic pain every day and I haven't had it in four months. Um, so yeah, I think we're waiting on the results of that, but I'm we're looking forward to finding out and. Um, yeah, the integration sessions were really intended to capitalize on what realization or insights have happened within that space from the trauma. And then um, a lot of times we recommend there's a therapist on the other side of apps. So even if they're not continuing to see to receive the medicine, that they're still capitalizing on what they've learned and seeing if there's maybe another approach that could support them on the next phase of their healing journey. Cause healing isn't, you know, we, it's not a magic bullet as we like to say. Um, it's a, yeah, it's not a broken arm where you can put a cast on it and it's right. crack it off after six weeks or three months and you're done. And, you know, I think that's part of, I think that goes to my prior question in some ways is that when people relieve themselves of the burden of abuse and trauma that they suffered and they're able to accept what happened and put that component behind them and learn the coping skills 
there's other things that will have, have happened in life that now become or come to the forefront that hopefully are less significant, but still need to be addressed. And so the ongoing treatment sometimes become a matter of as you process, you now deal with the next ones. Yeah. Yeah. And the circumstances, maybe you're looking at your life and in different light and you're like, oh, this needs to change. Or I, I didn't see this before. And it's, it's not something any of us can do alone. Right. Um, it's a process for sure. And, and something you mentioned earlier about, um, group therapy and group therapy spaces as being a game changer in the way you approach it. Why is that different and why is it something that you look at as being a differentiating factor in your approach? Um, well, we offer both options, individual and group. We we leave it up to the individual. Most people are currently right now a little bit hesitant to um, enter into a group, a group approach if they don't maybe know the people that are showing up um, and they're, yeah, I, I'm actually not entirely sure why that isn't um, more popular um, because, you know, I think in terms of psychedelic healing, the, and, you know, it's not new. It's been around for generations and generations for many people who have um, done these practices for a long time. And it's, it's in community that right. it, it's historically and traditionally been done. So maybe that's something that will, um, that we'll see more of moving forward, but we really are excited about it because, you know, we're all, you know, we're all facets of this crazy light diamond, right? Like reflecting different parts of ourselves back at each other. So sometimes um, it can be really, really beneficial to healing to get all of those different perspectives. And with the medicine, especially, maybe some folks come out of it and they're like, "Oh, was that was that experience normal for for you? Right. How did you how did you experience that?" Some people find that it's very somatic. Others find that it's very visual. Um, some people get really talkative and so it's, it's very different for each other. And I think recognizing the differences while also having that thread of what centers everybody in the medicine is really uh, beneficial. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, the experience of going through something like this in a group versus alone can certainly have certain benefits. It's why, you know, a lot of people when they do, when they're doing ayahuasca, it's part of a ceremony as a group, not an individual. And I was just wondering with regards to your process, what did you help steer people into one or the other based on certain aspects or what they're trying to deal with? Yeah, that's a little out of my personal, sure. like, professional experience. I When people ask uh, me maybe what's better for them, a, a lot of times folks will just approach it as a financial uh, consideration at first because it is a much more accessible, accessible priced. What, uh, what is the difference in cost? It's about a third of the cost. Yeah, I think um, we are able to bill insurance for a portion of the therapy right now. Um, but out of pocket, I think with group, it's maybe like 1100 total for all six. And then for individual, for us, it's a little over three grand right now. Right. Okay. And, but you know, you've got 25 clinicians you mentioned on board who are working. So there's obviously quite a, um, quite a strong market in Tucson alone, which isn't, you know, is nothing insignificant, but it's still one of the smaller cities ar around the country. 
Well, I should clarify, we have 25 clinicians that work at TCA, um, Tucson Counseling Associates, but within the CAP clinic, which we we call Silva Psychedelics, right. um, there's only, I think, maybe seven or eight clinicians. Yeah. Okay. So how, how do those break out between the 25 and the seven or eight in terms of do the seven or are the seven or eight the ones who are the ones who practice the treatments and the other support or um they're they're kind of separate um we offer in-house training for providers that are interested in, in offering ketamine assisted psychotherapy but not every therapist wants to do that um so we have kind of a a burgeoning you know space for clinicians that do and we're we really hope to network with more providers that want to become psychedelic uh psychedelic psychotherapists so we like you know happy hours around the city looking for other practitioners that are local and then we also offer we've done two um trainings for PESI providers for cap okay hosting our first uh retreat uh in jan at the end of january for providers that have gone through our training and we have online um self-paced modules for providers that want to go through our training as well we've put in so much work to creating these right because um, we want to see the, the fields blossoming in this regard for sure mm-hmm. for sure so tell us how did you get involved um you know kate kincaid who's the owner of tca is one of my one of my best friends um and I've been working in mental health for almost six years now. So I had three years of experience prior um, before having to leave my last job. And I was kind of just in between looking for something. And so I became sort of um, in her admin assistant at first. And then right. it's sort of just, uh, I, I wear a lot of hats in my role at TCA and I love it. It's always changing and there's a lot of flexibility. So in terms of the CAP clinic specifically, it was just a kind of a natural progression of my role and I'm really interested in psychedelic healing. So, um, and I also offer, uh, meditation. So I've sat, I've sat in the group space with our, with our clients and providers, uh, sometimes just leading, leading people into a meditation and, um, intention setting for the ceremonies. So because you teach yoga or, or do you lead groups as well? Right. Which, how does that tie together for you? Yeah, I'm, um, I have been studying meditation for about a decade now and then have been teaching yoga for four years. Um, and right now I'm not teaching. Uh, so I have a handful of coaching clients and I really love guiding meditations or um, supporting people and finding safety in their bodies. So uh, it's sort of, I get I get interesting opportunities to offer that through TCA, like um we had an invitation to go do a presentation for uh, Gabby Gifford's team this year, uh-huh. um, and I I, le- I led a meditation at the beginning of that, and um, yeah, during the during different maintenance groups, I get to sit in and hold space with the therapists. So I, I sort of just fill in where they need me, and I like that sort of opportunity to practice different things and show up in different spaces for sure and you know it's something which a lot of people we talk about the you know the benefits of using a psychedelic and the way it can help us open our minds and help us address traumas or abuse that have existed but one of the most powerful the most powerful tool in all of that is still our minds 
And what we're trying to do is relieve our mind of the pain and of the burden of what we experience so that we can clearly assess and address um, our own challenges. And, you know, one nice, one amazing benefit of yoga is the uh, power in which clearing your mind of everything else allows you to um, be free of those burdens. Mm-hmm. And how have you found that bringing those together has benefited any of the patients that you've interacted with? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the type of yoga I've been teaching for the last year is Shakti yoga, and it's mm-hmm. a type of yoga that's um, really centered in the womb space, whether right. that's the divine feminine space for all, or if that's actual anatomical center of the womb and the body and from there like really deeply listening in and then allowing the body to guide you instead of kind of mind over over um they call it like top down versus like bottom up in therapy spaces like whether you're doing the somatic practice or whether you're doing something more verbal processing um and so i think with that it's really it's really an invitation to meet people where they're at and then kind of whole like hold space from there, but also create a larger space for them to occupy that they get to guide themselves with it. And it's like, oh, there is my body, you know, like maybe there's this thought, but where is that thought located in the body? And does it have a corresponding sensation that we could feel? And then once you hold that feeling, where are you guided to go next? Um, And I think psychedelics allow us to like, not even access that, but to be within that. And, um, in a way that's just there isn't really a choice it's just you're being guided and you can't help but notice that connection you have yeah i mean we talk about mind and body but we don't always recognize they're not the same or they're not they can be two entities in the one place Mm -hmm. yeah i don't remember which tradition it was but it was like when we talk about the mind uh, maybe it's a Buddhist tradition that it's like the mind is here in the heart space. The mind, you know, our our definition of mind changes cross culturally. So that's an interesting thing to think about too. It is, it is, and you know, it's but it's part of what's necessary for people who are trying to address the issues ro- around anxiety and depression and trauma is that recognition of an understanding of how separate your mind and body is. Um, you know, I use an analogy with people all the time um, with regards to things being separate and that you can have a broken arm or a cut on your hand and you can look at it and say, my hand is cut, my arm is broken, and it may hurt, but it's attached to me. Whereas when my mind is hurt, it is me. Mm-hmm. And when we don't differentiate between those things, we um, confuse the pains as all being one, where we can set aside the pains that others do to us because they may injure our mind, but they're affecting our body. Yeah. I've heard that in terms of like the difference between guilt and shame as well. You know, um, guilt is like I have done something wrong and shame is I am wrong. Mm-hmm. And I remember during my my first yoga teacher training, um, the lead teacher 
was referencing his mentor and said that he would carry around this like spray bottle water yep. anytime someone had like a really strong thought or feeling about something the teacher would kind of pause them and then spray the water and be like just hold that thought and then like watch the water and he would spray the water and you'd see water droplets splash out and then once they settle he's like this is also your mind like just let it settle uh -huh. hold, hold it for a second pause so how does that action and experience of watching the water settle is analogous to the process for somebody going through a treatment? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my first thought about that is breath. You know, like breath connects the mind to the body. Breath is where thoughts kind of ride on that wave. And so mm -hmm. can pay attention to the breath, we're automatically in a space of, you know, at least inviting presence in. And I don't think that's possible when you're in a trauma response necessarily, but with the medicine that is possible, there is a possibility of breath being something that is, you know, contains multitudes instead of something that's just like, you know, boring or, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause you're trying to get people <clears throat> to open their minds and to clear the their mistaken beliefs so that they can get to their true beliefs and values about themselves and that process is one that people need to be able to do independent of the treatment later mm -hmm. how how do you reinforce that as they're going through the process in terms of learning the skills i think every therapist approaches that differently like mm -hmm. using whatever skill set they have and the the language and the cultural considerations of the people that are coming into the to the center right um yeah i'm not sure maybe i'll have a better answer for that if you know when and if i become a therapist right no but i wondered if the ther like there was pol a practice around and the and guidance for the therapists at the at the clinic to establish that in a uniform way because people who are coming in through all the different visits may not always see the same therapist but also they're arriving for a particular experience yeah so if they're doing um either group or individual they're going to have the same therapist the whole time okay um it, that might change you know if they if they finish the treatment and then enter into a maintenance schedule they might see a different therapist for their individual or their group sessions uh -huh. we, we when we created the process we were approaching it with um internal family systems modality and sensory right. psychotherapy and so up, up, approaching it but part of what the training model has become is like who are you as a clinician and how can you use that in this space um and just trying to bring out you know the inner healing intelligence of the practitioners as well okay and you know one thing you just mentioned there um made me wonder with regards to the clients who do come in do they come from all walks of life? Are you, you know, there's some I know that when they focus on PTSD are working heavily on veterans. Um, others are working with, you know, uh, people who have suffered particular forms of abuse. Are you trying to focus in particular areas or is it what's happening? Where are you seeing also the most responsive group? Yeah, so... Um 
only seeing folks that have been diagnosed with PTSD or treatment resistant conditions mm-hmm. and have tried, you know, that means they've tried two or more modalities under the under the guidance of a of a licensed practitioner that haven't proved effective for alleviating their symptoms. I think there's some there's some accessibility issues with right. just, you know, how we're operating right now. We have to operate within a schedule of Monday through Friday. Um, medicine sessions have to start during the week. And so that already rules out a lot of working people. Um, and then the, the VA insurance doesn't currently cover this. So it's hard for, for vets to, um, get that, get that paid for. And, and and there is an accessibility issue with the finances. So we, we have, um, a scholarship fund we can offer, you know, we've done two big fundraising events and right late not gotten not we haven't gotten very much we're looking for grants in order to offer it for free specifically for our um, multiply marginalized community members and those who are land defenders that's sort of where those are the people we want to support um i mean we want to support everyone but in terms of making it accessible for those who who it's currently inaccessible for uh we're hoping to move in that direction as well so uh, there there's some you know, I think w- once we can start maybe billing insurance for more of it or... Sure. I mean, but that'll change as it moves from Schedule 3 and a variety of different things. Those are a whole other slew of uh, a challenges there. Um, Alyssa, we are out of time for today, but people who want to learn more, how can they... And, you know, I assume some people will travel into Tucson, but a lot of people in Tucson themselves are... It's easy. Um, how can they find out more about you and the organization? Yeah, um, if they go to our website, TucsonCounselingAssociates.com, if they speak to me directly, they can reach out at TucsonCounselingAssociates at gmail.com. And then we're also pretty active on Instagram, TucsonCounselingAssociates. (laughs) So there's a a line there that it's always going to be Tucson Counseling Associates. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us today on High Unhealthy. And thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Richard Zwicky, and we'll be back again with you soon.